the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Today we've come to a parable that fits perfectly into the sequence and themes that we've been talking about over the last few weeks, about how are we to live in this world, and what should be our cares, what should be the things that we actually focus on. Christ is answering by this parable to a man who calls out from the multitude that's following him. And that parable is an answer, an answer that I don't want us to pass over because at the very end of the parable, this is the phrase that I want to focus on. The things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So he who lays up treasure for himself, meaning you can't take them beyond death. The one who stores up things who you can't take beyond your death is not rich toward God. And so what I want to come to today is how does one actually become rich toward God? Because when we dive into this parable and kind of go a few verses ahead to see who is Christ addressing, we might get an answer, and I think we will have an answer, something that will speak to us of how and what do we mean, what does it mean to be rich toward God. So this man from the multitude shouts out and asks Jesus to be the arbiter between his brother and himself, telling him, make him split the inheritance with me. That's what this man shouts out from the multitude. But Christ's response to him is a refusal to act, act as the judge or the arbiter between he himself, between that man and his brother. Instead, our Lord gives this warning. He says, beware of covetousness, for a man's life does not consist of the abundance of things which he possesses. And then our Lord goes on to tell this parable. So it's a parable about covetousness. The rich man in the parable has a saying. He begins to speak to himself. He says, these are my fruits. These are my goods. I need bigger storehouses, bigger barns to store this. But it's all about his own future comfort. He never gives a thought of thanksgiving to God for this windfall, this abundance that he now has, where the barns that he's already built, the things that he knows he usually takes in, are not enough. He doesn't give thanks to God for that, out of this abundance, nor does he look to anyone else around him to maybe share some of that abundance with. He only gives attention to the comfort of his own body, to food and to drink, as though he would live forever. The same answer I envision is happening. Our Lord is peering into the soul of the man who cried out about the sharing of the inheritance. That same sort of blindness toward this is what our Lord is pointing at. The man who shouted is suffering from the same illness. One is suffering from greed, the man in the parable, and the other, our Lord is warning, he is suffering from covetousness wanting what's from the other. Greed is a passion of wanting more and more and more when you already have. Covetousness is the passion of wanting what you don't have that comes from someone else. 
you wish you had that thing. But they have the same root, the same seed. They grow from the same corrupted plant, we could say. And that is love of earthly possessions. Giving our love to things that can never really fulfill us. We can't take beyond this life. And if we give our love to them, what our Lord is warning us through this parable, we will have a a great thing that's missing from ourselves. And our soul will never be benefited. So this is a call from God to free ourselves, for you who hear this, to free yourself from the binding chains of the love of possessions. This love of possessions can blind us from our own soul. And the far greater needs, maybe, of the souls of others, the great need of the soul that we become blind to and become blind to the souls and the needs of others. Blessed Theoflak points out the great mistake of this man in the parable about that he is not thinking of death because he's so attached to the love of possessions that it's holding him back both from God in thanksgiving and what God might be calling him to with this abundance. St. Theoflak says this, you will not, if this is you, you have this love of possessions. He says, you will not want to give it because you love this life and claim things of this life as your own. But the soul of a righteous man, because he himself commits his soul in the hands of God and the Father of spirits, and he does so with joy and gladness, not in the least, is not in the least bit grieved that he is handing over his soul to God. For him, the body is a light burden, and it's easily shed. But the sinner has made his soul fleshy, difficult to separate from the body. This is why the soul must be demanded of him. The same way that the harsh tax collectors and tre- treat debtors who refuse to pay what is due. Truly, it is a night, this night that the man is experiencing, a night of the soul of such a sinner. It is a night for the sinner who is darkened by the love of wealth. And to him, the light of divine knowledge cannot penetrate and death overtakes him. This is what the man was suffering from, blindness to what the needs of his soul were. This is really an image of the inverse of what we're trying to look to. What does it mean to be rich toward God? It's an image of what it is to be poor towards God. But this man was given an opportunity to go from being poor towards God when God blessed him with abundance to become rich towards God. Let's go a little bit further on the experience of one who is poor towards God. What is that internal soul feeling? We'll turn towards St. Basil, who has many, many things of what we should be doing, but what I want to focus on is his description of what is going on in this man's soul. And he characterizes it this way. His heart is tormented, devoured with anxiety. For what rejoices others brings pain to the avarice. He does not rejoice at his storehouses that are stored full, the overflowing riches which the storehouses are unable to hold are a torment, rather, to his soul. Lest perhaps the overflow should bring some of their blessing to those who are in want around him. That very night, he was snatched away 
Indeed, just when he had begun to imagine himself with the delights and the enjoyments of his possessions, that is when he couldn't partake of them. Basil's description of this anxiety, when there is abundance, is given a remedy. It's a, to practice a new and different kind of spiritual discipline than the ones that we may think of, the normal ascetic disciplines that we have, like we're in the midst of the Advent fast on the first Sunday of it, or our many other seasons of fasting. We think of food and we think of drink. But St. Basil begins to point and put a finger on a different kind of asceticism, an asceticism that I might characterize as an asceticism of our finances. It's based on giving thanks and caring for others. Because every, every aesthetic practice that we have where we deny ourselves something good, has we do that not just out of hate of our body or hate for something, we do it out of great love for something that we know is better, the benefit of another. So an asceticism of our finances that I want to get to is a practice of true attaining true freedom. It's not simply about, asceticism is not simply about control of the belly, but it's about learning freedom from obsession with all of the earthly goods. It's about learning to use whatever earthly gifts we may be given by God to use them well. And that includes the gifts of money that we might have. Basil's specific prescription, his specific remedy for the man who is suffering, is obvious to us. Basil calls us to treat all those things, to look at our life and say, what is extra? And count that thing that's extra as not our own possession, meaning this is not mine. And he goes even further and says that that extra thing probably belongs to somebody else. Our Lord has it in mind for somebody else. So, what does that mean? You have extra coats, extra pair of shoes. You somehow have managed to have a little bit extra in the budget for that month. Go find the person who that's meant for. That's the type of asceticism that St. Basil is calling us to. And when we do this, Basil promises the blessing is ready that is promised to us. Every time we do that, he says you free the soul a little more and the blessing of our Lord is promised and already given to you as soon as you do that. To give up another way, Basil's focused on the care of the needy. But another way that we can practice this is to give up a little bit of a portion of what we have to God to begin to practice the path of freedom from anxiety and really silly earthly thinking that is so obsessed with these little things, the little comforts by gaining more and more or desiring more and more that is motivated by this love of possession. We can take the holy thoughts that the man in the parable did not have that our Lord gives to us. It's better to give than to receive. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. These are the things that the scriptures teach us to have holy thoughts about what it is that we have, our possessions. Be they goods or be they money, whatever it is. These are the countering thoughts that he did not have, the man who had much abundance. 
that he should have relied on. These would have led him to thankfulness. And they could have led him to make an offering up toward God and toward his neighbor. Because it's especially, thankfulness isn't really complete until there is some sort of giving aspect, something that you are offering up to God or for the benefit of your neighbor. And when we do this, we leave behind temporary, unlasting things, like the man should have done, and we turn toward those things that will last forever, the benefit of our own soul or the souls of another before God. This is what it means to be called to become rich toward God. It's in the parable. The means of how we become rich toward God is to become stewards of the abundance that we have. The gifts of God that are given in our earthly possessions, they're given for the benefit of others. They're given to share. And as our Lord instructs in another place, it's kind of a cryptic phrase, but he tells us this, make your friends of yourselves by means of unrighteous mammon. Mammon being the god of wealth. So he says, make friends with wealth, in other words, so that when it fails and you've used the wealth well, you may receive eternal habitation. This is the promise of the Lord that St. Basil is alluding to. In other words, we have possessions in order to free ourselves from greed and covetousness when we use them well. Our Lord is giving us the opportunity for that kind of freedom. By giving them away, we wisely, when we give them away wisely, we benefit others and we benefit ourselves. The earthly ties begin to fade and the storehouses of heaven end up growing even more. So, our eternal riches can surpass our earthly goods, our possessions, and our money. These can't be taken from us, and they can't be taken into the next life if we don't invest them, if you will, into the eternal storehouses of God. So we become rich towards God by thankfulness and care for those that he, whom he loves. These are the two storehouses that you will, that we can give into, that will last forever. It's these two things. We give into the needy, and we give for the spiritual benefit of our community by giving in and through the church. We become rich toward God when we count all our gifts as opportunities that we want to share. We become rich toward God when we know that this earthly life is meant as a preparation for the life to come. We could say we can become rich toward God when we give to those two eternal storehouses. In both, we find Christ and his blessing. In both, we find freedom from the binding chains of love of possessions every time we give. Whenever you offer to some beggar, some person in need, whenever you place a portion of what he has provided for you, think of it as a thank offering to God. Offer it to him through these two storehouses. And what you receive when the body passes away will be so much greater. And even now, you'll gain a measure of freedom from the passions of love of possessions and its daughters, covetousness, and greed. 
that cause most of us who suffer from them some anxiety, worry, and we experience a better freedom when we do this. So dear ones, if you've not begun to free yourselves from the love of possessions, start now. Begin to turn your sight not toward building bigger earthly barns to store up what your soul can't take with you and your body can't benefit from when you're buried and in a grave. Rather, turn your eyes toward the storehouses of the eternal kingdom. Look to find all the possessions that are extra like St. Basil advises and find the owner that God wants to have that thing. Look to your gifts. Do you have some sort of financial income that you can give a portion to? Do you have a talent or skill that can give glory to God? Give thanks to God, not just with your lips by saying, thank you that I have these and carry on, but with the gift that he has given itself. Give thanks. Offer a little portion of it to God. With this practice, with this kind of ascetic discipline, the things of this world become spiritual. And the discipline that we have with our possessions will receive, we will receive what God wants from us. We will become rich toward God, as the parable calls us toward. May we each have this in our life. May we each look and say, Lord, where is this? Where can I apply this? Where can I begin to taste of this freedom? And may he bless us from his eternal throne room. Amen.